God for that change. Amen. Will you turn with me to Leviticus chapter 26? We're going to read from the first verse this morning right down to about well, verse 11 or 12. So we just, uh, 13 actually is where we'll go to. But um, I want to read from Leviticus for our opening scripture today as we just prepare our hearts to, for the Lord to speak to us. At the conclusion of my message today, and I'm not going to speak long because I want to give time for this. This is something we've been waiting for a long, long time. And um, we have been waiting for the testimony uh, to be completed that we have recorded of Sister Lana Butts, who was healed of Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma. And, um, and we, we have made a, making a, a DVD of that, of course, and putting it on a livinggod.com just to testify what God has done. Amen. Because we know he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He's still God. He still uh, meets the needs of his people, no matter where we are, what the situation is. I have in my hands today two prayer cloths. One is going to go to um, over into India, and another is going to go into Nigeria, where requests have come in for desperate needs, or that they need a touch from God. And I'm believing for, for Daniel and also for Shalom, that is in India, Daniel in Nigeria, and, and uh, Shalom that is in India. And we believe that God will bring a healing to them. This is according to Acts chapter 19. That they took aprons or cloths from the body of Paul. And we're not Paul, but he's the same Lord Jesus. Amen. Laid them on the sick, and the devils fled from them, and they were healed. Amen. So we're looking today to the Word of God and for the promise of His Word. Amen. To just be manifest among us. Leviticus 26, verse 1. You shall make you no idols nor graven image, neither rear up a standing image, Neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. That's what you're here today for, is to reverence his sanctuary. This is a commandment of God. You shall keep my Sabbaths. And though that we don't worship on Saturday, we, we worship on Sunday because of the resurrection. For we are declaring that he rose from the dead on the first day of the week. But we are here to, to, keep, uh, to keep and make holy this day in remembrance of him and to reverence his sanctuary. And I, don't th I can't think, you know, how, how could we show disreverence by not being assembling together with the rest of the believers and worshiping God? I think that's really a part of reverence. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. And ye shall eat your bread to the full, and dwell in your land safely." And I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will rid the evil beast out of the land, and neither shall the sword go through your land. And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase an hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Amen. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you and will make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. And you shall eat old store and bring forth the old because of the new. And I will set my tabernacle among you and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and I will be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their bondsmen. And I have broken the bands of your yoke and made you go upright. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. Father, I hold in my hands today these two prayer cloths that will be going to little hearts 
little believers, Lord, that are desperately in need of touching from you. And today, Lord, as we send forth, oh God, on the wings of this prayer, we send forth deliverance in your name. Because you said in my name they will cast out devils. Amen. And we believe that word, Lord. We know that no enemy that can, that can stand before us and no weapon shall prosper. Lord, oh God, this is, this is the inheritance of the saints. None that is formed against us shall prosper. And the enemy will have to flee before us because you are mighty, Lord, and your word is true. I pray, God, that you'll bring healing and deliverance to your children today around the world, wherever they are, and whatever need that they have. As they hear this message today, may, Lord, their hearts just be turned into joy, knowing that there's a mighty God on their side today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord once more. You know, I, as I was contemplating this service today, and, and as I've been traveling for the last several weeks, and, and uh, coming back to home, and of course the many catch-up things that you have to do, coming back home, it was with the, with the Baxter family in their time of need, and uh, different situations that arose. But I was, I, yesterday as I was, Looking at perhaps something else to minister upon, I was sent the same video clip of, uh, from three different people that would, would send it. Actually, all of these came to me personally from either South Africa or Africa, and they were showing of 240 Jewish people making their aliyah, and they were returning to their homeland, the land of Israel. And one of these Jews who were interviewed said, it's about the Bible coming to life, about the end gathering, bringing the Jewish people home. And when we're all together in our homeland, that brings the most light to the whole world. And of course, you know, I believe that we are a spiritual counterpart, that as the Bible would speak of Israel as a nation that God, he speaks of his of the, uh, the elect Gentiles as a people that is called out for his namesake. And so therefore, you know, as we look into the promises of God, some of it may apply to Israel physically, but it all applies to us in a spiritual manner. It is ours to believe and receive. And Israel's return to their homeland is nothing short of miraculous. We too have returned to a homeland, and that is a homeland of of the Bible. Amen. Uh, you know, I, when I think of the homeland of the Bible, that is a place where miracles happen, where great things happen for God's people, where salvation takes place and deliverance happens. When, when uh, you are in your homeland of the Word of God and of the Holy Ghost. And I believe, you know, as we are, think about it today, um, I can hardly uh, think of even this place without thinking of how this church was built on the miraculous. You know, and because it's built on the miraculous, uh, you know, we, we can expect God to do extreme things because God has done some extreme things in this generation to get our hearts to believe in. You see, it is promised according to Malachi 4 that he said, Behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn your hearts back to the faith of the fathers. And I believe we're in that hour of a great restoration and a renewing of the Holy Ghost. You in this building or around the world, wherever you're hearing this message today, I want you to know this message is one of deliverance. It is a message that will, will bring freedom from slavery of sin. It is a message that will give light in the time of your darkness. That there is nothing that is too hard for our Lord. Amen. And as I said, you know, we, we are here in the last age of the Gentile dispensation in the seventh and last Laodicean church age when God is showing his great power, raising our faith. He has to do that to prepare us for the great rapture. We believe here that 
The rapture is not just something we talk about or just a funeral scripture that is given for comfort, but we believe that it is real and that it is alive and that it is something that will take place in our generation. You say, well, Brother Tim, they have looked for this for 2,000 years. But yeah, we have traversed now seven church ages, beginning from Ephesus down to Laodicea, and we are now here in the end time. And all the signs show the end time. Never has there been a time that the world could burn with fire with just, with just a few pushes of the button, yet the Bible prophesied that it would happen. Never has there been a time like it has been, again, the repeat of the days of Noah and the days of Sodom, which were both hours of destruction. And I'll tell you, we are in a time where that there will be great destruction come upon the earth. But before that time, God's going to rapture out a people. And I'll tell you, that is the promise that we look for. We cannot put our, our hope into anything else. Amen. We appreciate good men that, uh, that will stand for righteousness. But I'll tell you, all the men you can line up will never turn the nation back to God. Amen. Because it is prophesied of this end time that it's all coming down to the end. Amen. But it is not the end for you. It's only the end for the devil. It's only the end for his kingdom. It's only the end for his children. But it's not the end for you. It is a new beginning for every child of God. Hallelujah. And we can look forward to that promise. But while we're here, we still need the miraculous working power of God. And as I said, this church was built on miracles. You know, I was astonished as I thought back uh, and, and I had to go look up the paperwork to see, but we, six years ago, we bought this property here and, we just, and it was there that we would decide to build a church and would move from Claiborne Parish over here. And of course, many of our folks is not from Claiborne Parish. They're, they're from Webster, they're from Bossier, they're from Caddo, they're from Louisiana, Mississippi, and Arkansas, and, you know, um, many other places that will gather in here today and, and uh, be in the service with us. Many are connected across the world that uh, some, some shut-ins that won't, wouldn't be able to attend church, but they're able to be in service with us today. Amen. But it was, about, it was um, um, about seven years ago now that Brother Gary Stanky here, right there, raise your hand, Brother Gary. Amen. I want you to stand up. God bless you. It's so good to have you again. <laughs> These folks come down from Manny, Louisiana, driving two hours to be in service. And he said to me one day, Brother Tim, he said, a church alive is worth the drive. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Aren't you glad to serve a living God? It's because he's among us is why we have life. But Brother Gary Stanky was hospitalized because of a, a blockage in his colon. The, the doctors did surgeries to remove it. But he went a total of three weeks without food, and he was in a dying condition. As his stomach would not digest food, and he had a, a, an experience while he was in the hospital. It just seemed like, um, you know, he reached a very low and weak point. And in that moment, every kind of demon started coming into his room. He had this horrible, uh, uh, not, a, not a sleep nightmare, but a nightmare where he wasn't asleep. And all these devils were howling at him and threatening to take his life. And to be quite honest with you, when I heard of that, I, I thought, you know, Brother Gary's a man past 70. And if God wants to take him, amen, that's a great deliverance. We believe in life after death. Amen. We, we believe in, in instant health once we cross this veil of sorrow. Amen. We believe that he would move right into a new theophany body. Amen. And, and, but however, I, we're not, wasn't afraid of him dying, but we just didn't want the devil to torment him. It isn't right. Amen. For a child of God to be haunted and tormented by the devil. And I'm just telling you today, it isn't right. It isn't right if you're tormented, if you're afflicted. It isn't right when Jesus paid it off. Hallelujah. Well, we're thinking like Jesus. I just read the, the, the sign up here, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And Jesus didn't think it right. 
amen, to the sick that they would not be healed, or the blind that their eyes would not come open, or the cripple will not walk. You said that won't happen in this day. You come, come too late to tell me. I've done seen a living God. I've seen him in the power of his resurrection. I've seen him heal the sick. I've seen him take the lost and save them and change their life and make them a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. Why, well, just yesterday, one of our evangelists, Brother Darrell Ward, came back from Poland, and, the, and they sent him a report, said, as he walked off the, the platform, Brother Darrell, a man was standing there with cripple, and he said he had, he had uh, his canes there that he had to walk with, and you stopped and prayed for him. I want you to know that today, he don't walk with canes anymore. He walks normally and healed. <laughs> Hallelujah. It ain't God just working in one person. It's God working in a body ministry around the world. Amen. But he had, to, Brother Gary had this experience where demons come into his room and it made me angry. I'll be honest with you, it just made me mad. You know, sometimes you just got to get angry with the devil. Amen. How many's ever been so sick and tired of being sick and tired that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired? Amen. Maybe you're that way in this moment. Maybe there's a habit in your life, a situation that is there, a problem in your life, but you've got to get to the point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. You've got, you got to come to the place. You no longer want to be in bondage anymore. Hallelujah. But in a way, I got angry. And I'll tell you, I walked into that that hospital room that day with my wife, and you know the story. I text Brother Timothy, and I said, pray with me before I go, as I go in. And he said, Dad, remember, we're writing the book of Acts. Isn't that what the church is to do? Isn't that the last commission that Jesus gave the church, Mark 16? These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name, if they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. Come on. And they'll take up serpents and it'll not harm them. And he says to his disciples, I give you power to tread on scorpions and upon serpents and nothing by any means shall harm you. I'll tell you, there's so many precious promises that lies in this land. That's what I'm preaching on today is a return, returning to the land of promise. Brother Gary's voice was so low, you can imagine he hadn't eaten 21 days. The doctors would later tell him, you were dying. And I drew up a chair beside his bed, and he began to share his heart about having a place for people to come and where they could stay even overnight. And one of his great concerns was the young people and others not having a place to stay where they could go to youth meetings. He said, I'd be willing to help any way I could if we could just do something. And I'll tell you, whatever he said, please the Lord. Because I knew when it happened. The Holy Spirit dropped right down in that room that day. Amen. Gave me, gave me, gave me the words to curse that devil. By that evening, he was, I think it was that evening or not, the early next morning, he started eating a little bit of jello and a little bit of this and that, and immediately he started on the road to men, and through the process of healing, he's returned back to health again. And because of this, I knew I had a mandate from God to do something. We were landlocked, and we were, so I purchased this property for the church, and and a decision was made for a new building, and we saw miracle after miracle after miracle to follow until we're right here today, yeah. amen, with a building that is completely paid for. Yeah. And since then, we've been building a youth activities building, and we'll owe no debt on when we complete it, and we hope that'll be soon, amen, that it's completed. But we have learned together through all of these times the power of unity, and believers agreeing together. When you see this video today that we're going to be showing in a few minutes, and I'm conscious of time, I know, because it's a, it's a, a, the testimony is, has some, a little bit of link to it, but it's worth every minute of it. You've got to see it.
But we've learned the power of unity and believers agreeing together. And, and, and this is a result of a believing church standing together on the end of the breach for the need of another. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 18, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say unto you that if any two of you shall agree uh, on earth and touching anything that they shall ask, and it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. Amen. God has done so many great things in our age to enable us to believe. He's done it not just to show off, but to, to enlarge our faith, to believe for the impossible. Why, well, it would start 1946 with an angel of God coming to a, a man by the name of William Branham, and that would, spare, that would cause a divine healing movement, and from him would come, would come men like um, um, Oral Roberts and, and uh, others that would go out and, and preach that God is a healer and God is a deliverer. And God has taught us to believe in the impossible. In fact, Jesus' words in Mark eleven twenty three, he says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever, are you one of them? Yes. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Can you imagine that God gave you that power as a believing Christian amen, to proclaim his word, to take his words and put in your mouth against the enemy, amen, that, would, that we can have whatsoever we say. Is that the, isn't that what Jesus said? My, Matthew 17, 20, he said, For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing, somebody say nothing, nothing, nothing shall be impossible to you. Notice this, it didn't even say nothing is impossible to God. It said, if I can get you to believe. If you will start believing and confessing and standing on the word of God, if you'll take me at my word, nothing will be impossible to you. What a promise that is. Now, God wants us to know that he loves us. Amen. All the time, he just drops us little love gifts along the way. Amen. You know, I, I, I realize the Bible said God so loved the world. And that's often, that's awesome. That is awesome. That is an awesome thought, the world. But when I, when I look at it, I have to bring that personal to me. God so loved me. You know, the word really doesn't mean anything unless it becomes personal. God so loved me. And, I, and of course, I believe that's why that he has brought us back to the land of promise in order to show his love to us. He wants you to know you are his beloved. You have been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. You have been selected and handpicked by God. You have been called and ordained to a purpose. While before the world began, he knew you and he called you and he put your name in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Oh, it's down at the altar sometimes that we realize who our real father is and where we really come from. But God had this a long time before we knew about it. He already planned your coming. He knew exactly what your need would be. He knew exactly what to provide for your salvation and your deliverance. This God is a God of purpose. He's a God with a plan. And he's got a plan for your life today. First John 3 and 1, he says, Behold, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that 
when we shall, he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Another translation would say it this way. See what great love the Father hath lavished upon us. Amen. I, I, I love to think of that. God wants to lavish upon his children. Amen. No good thing will he withhold from you. Amen. To us is given exceeding great and precious promises. All of these lang- what, what manner of love, the great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world don't know us is because it didn't know him. Amen. Oh, yeah, when he came, they didn't know him. Amen. When, and he said, the world won't know you either. Amen. But nevertheless, he says, what manner of love I bestow, I lavish on my children. You know, sometimes we get the thought somehow or another that God hates us and God wants to destroy. But God doesn't hate any of his own. Amen. You know, a man said to me one time in accounted as I sat down and was discussing with him my taxes, and, and he said to me, he said, uh, you know, Brother Pruitt, he said, I just don't believe a loving father would send any of his children to hell. I said, neither do I. I said, there won't be a one of his children there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. All of those that are begotten of God will never be in hell. Hell was not even made for you. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. It wasn't made for the sons of God. Amen. And he said, what manner of love I would have lavished on you. Oh, if you're a sinner today and you're away from God and you don't know him, let me tell you, he wants to lavish love on you. Oh, I'm afraid he'll take this away and that away. Listen, he, he's not wanting to take away. He's wanting to add to you. Amen. He's wanting to add to you. Oh, yeah. He may, you know, you may take away your smoking, your drinking, your lying, your cussing, and your doping, and your adulterizing, and your fornicating, and your homosexual lifestyle. And he may take all of that away, but, oh, he'll replace it with so much more. This will be the greatest trade you ever made in your life to trade to trade your sins for his righteousness. Zechariah said, he, he, for he that touches you touches the apple of his eye. That's what he thinks about you, the apple of his eye. You talk about love, God wants us to know that he loves us. Man, I'm looking out across the audience today and I see Brother Kenneth Middleton here. God bless you, Brother Kenneth. He shared with me a, a testimony the other day, but I just want to just talk about him just for a moment. You know, Brother Kenneth, is, he, he's, a, he's one of those real Christians. Amen. There's something really real about him. But there's been a lot of love lavished on him. Amen. You know, the Bible's... And I, and I tell you, I believe he loves much because the Bible said if you're forgiven much, you love much. Yeah. Amen. And Brother Kenneth, as a young man, he was a Christian, but he fell away into sin and strayed away from God. And many years later, he came back to God on his bed, crippled, unable to walk, without a walker. I walked into his room that day at the hospital and I said, you know, Kenneth, there's still hope for you. He said, is there, Brother Tim? I said, yes, there's hope. I said, God's a God of mercy. He'll bring you back to him. Amen. That day, we, we prayed with him. And, and of course, you know, he, again, he was a broken man, crippled, unable to walk. Most of the time, wheelchair bound. But because of his terrible sin-laden past, he struggled with being forgiven. You know, there's a thing. I want you to realize forgiveness. God is God that will forgive. And he not only forgives, but he forgets. He doesn't remember your trespasses. Amen. It is though you never done it in the first place. 
This is the God that is merciful of mercy said as far as the east is from the west. I will remove your sins from you. What a God and what a Savior. And, but because of his terrible sin past, he struggled. Oh, God, do you love me? And one day he was sitting by the phone and praying, just telling the Lord, Lord, I love you. You know that. But I'd just like to hear you say, I love you. You know, sometimes that's the way it is. We tell God all the time we love him, but we just need that assurance. We just need that little special touch. And he sighed and got up from with his walker and painfully struggled to the refrigerator to refill his mug with tea or coffee, whatever he was drinking. Scooted his mug along the kitchen counter, praying the same prayer over and over. Lord, I love you. And you know that. But I'd just like to hear you say to me, I love you. Could you do it, please, this once? And finally, with difficulty, he pushed the mug along the counter back to his chair, praying as he went, reaching the chair. He sat down and said, Amen, and was about to take a drink out of his mug. And he said, The phone rang. I happened to be in my barn that day doing morning chores, and the voice of God spoke to me and said, go and call Kenneth and tell him these words, I love you. And I quickly ran to the phone, and I made a call, and I said, Kenneth, I don't know what all this is about, but God just spoke to me these words, and I know it was him, and he said to tell you these words, I love you. And I'll tell you, he began to shout and have a revival filled with assurance that God did indeed love him. Hallelujah. But God's got many ways of letting you know he loves you. Oh, man, in my, he would go to the cross and give up everything and would give up all of heaven just to show you how God loves you. We find that in Zechariah 2, it says, for this is what the Almighty God, the Lord the Almighty says, after the glorious one has sent me against the nations that have plundered you. Whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. What a wonderful scripture that we quote again. The apple of his eye. My, we don't have to look at ourselves as the scum of the earth and the down and out and nobody loves me. <laughs> you know, we all go through those things sometimes. I was there with um, uh, Amanda and Caleb's little children and you know, some of the children was there at the lakeside, and they were fishing, and, and uh, the littlest one back there wanted to say, you know, uh, I never get to fish. And said, well, you know, well, will you let me have a turn? So, well, my sister would never do it. She's, she's bigger than me, and she never gives me anything, and you know, I, you know, she don't ever treat me right, and she don't even say she's sorry when she does things. She was just feeling so down and out, make, trying to make us feel so down and out so we'd give her a fishing pole when she got her chance. But, you know, that's the way it is. We want to feel love sometimes. We want to know God loves us, that he cares about us, that he understands our humanity, that he's able to reach further down than what we can even look up. This is the kind of God that we serve. Aren't you glad to serve him? Amen. Brother Kenneth spoke to me this past week. He said, I can't wait for you to get home. And he said, I was going to let you get home and tell you this. But he said, since you called me on the phone, said, I got to tell you. And he said, you know, four months ago, the doctor said, said, I had cancer in the blood, leukemia, lymphoma. And it spread to one third of my bones. And the lymph nodes in my stomach was so large, he said his stomach had swelled out. And the doctor said hey, they might burst and spread to his body any moment. And doctors told him he had cancer in 50% of his body. And the doctor put him on a little small pill to boost his immune system, but he, he has had no chemo or radiation. Two weeks ago, now, it's been a little over two weeks now, he went and had a doctor's visit. When the doctor came into the room, into the examination room, he came in smiling, and he says, you know, having this test in his hands, he said, I want to let me, let me shake the hands of an awesome man. 
He said, wow, 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 wow. He said, your blood work shows there's no cancer. Hallelujah. Trying to understand, he asked the doctor again about the cancer. The doctor said, what cancer? There is no cancer. It's gone, and I can't explain how it's gone, but it's gone. He said, your lymph nodes are normal. Now, you know, you know, a year ago, just, before, just about this time of the year, just before our October meetings, Brother Kenneth laid on his deathbed. They were calling in the family, called their son, his son Brian, all the way from Montana because he was at the point of death. And he's calling the family in. But I preached that morning on that we are the sons of God. Amen. And that there, there was a power that was in the blood that would heal and deliver. And that we only needed just to claim what God gave us in his promise. Amen. And so me and the ministry team went down that day to the hospital here in Menden. We gathered around him and I said, Kenneth, we just been, we just, we just been praying and we prayed for you this morning, but we come together to lay hands upon you and believe together in this hospital room that God will do the miraculous. Amen. You know, just because the doctor gives you up don't mean God gives you up. God is the one who never lost a patient. Hallelujah. Even those who we call die just go into life. They live in a greater life than we are here. Are you with me? Amen. But Brother Kenneth, I, I said, now, I said, now what I want you to do is I want you to ask and you to say what your desire is. Because whatever you say, God's going to give it to you. And he spoke out. He said, I want to be in church on Wednesday night. We had Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday meetings. He never missed a one of them. He's had several, he's had, I don't know how many heart attacks, 30 stents in his heart. He's got a record number of stents, 30 stents in his heart, six balloon procedures. His heart was only operating 30 to 35%. And the doctor told him, he said, furthermore, he said, my examination, is, it shows you that you're, it shows me that your heart is now operating perfectly. He said, he explained the heart is a muscle and that this just does not happen. It does not rebuild itself. But the, your heart has restored itself. And he said, I don't know what's going on, but this just don't happen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what's going on. There's a God that loves his children. There's a God that cares about his people. There's a God who heals the sick. There's a God that will raise you up off your deathbed. There's a God who is a deliverer. That's what's going on. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. I just want to tell you, restoration's only beginning. Amen. I'm believing for complete, whole deliverance. Total deliverance. In this land of promise, it's the land of our Father. This land, this land of promise is the land of Samson. If you can, find, it, find me. I meant to do this, but find me that, that, um, that picture of Moriah. For a moment here. And I just, I, I want to just talk about it for a minute because we have returned to the land of promise. In the land of promise, there was a man by the name of Samson. He had long hair because of a Nazarite vow, it was uncut. This land of a people, and, and I want to just say this is a land of, the, of a people who are under a Nazarite vow. In other words, they are holy unto the Lord. They are set apart for a purpose. That's what Christians are supposed to be, a people set apart from the world. Amen. Identified with him. They're holy unto the Lord. And they are to show they are different from the world in the way they dress, in the way they live, in the way they act. Samson, of course, departed from the promise of the land because he tempted sin. 
and finally was lulled to sleep in, in the lap of Delilah, and his hair was cut, and he lost his power with God. You know, Delilah would, and then the Philistines want to know, what is the secret of your power, Samson? And I want to remind this church, what is the secret of our power? It isn't because we're better than somebody else. It isn't because we're more intelligent or we got a room more full of people with great uh, college education and understanding and world knowledge and a great, great, great man thought of in the world. That's not the source of our power. Our source of our power is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, that's a, that is what I put a, 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 a spine in the weak uh, jellyfish of a young man or a young woman that cannot resist the evils of the world. And the Holy Ghost will put a spine in them where they can stand for righteousness and stand for truth. But you know, Samson laid his head down in the lap of Delilah. And she discovered his secret, and that it was his covenant with God, which was represented in his seven locks, that he was separated unto God as a Nazarite. You know what happened? Samson was blinded and imprisoned, made to grind at the wheel to grind for the Philistines. But one day, when taken to a festival for the gods of the Philistines to celebrate victory over Jehovah, he returned, he returned his promise, and he began to think about the Lord, and he began to reach back, and he realized, dumb Philistines had let his hair grow out again. Amen. And his glory was returning, and with it, his power. Are you with me now? Amen. You see, the, the reason I'm preaching about this, I believe we're in the land of Samson. We're in a Bible land where Bible promises come to life. Amen. That they're prophesying of an end time people, a people who, who, will, who will be restored back to their power after the church has laid in the lap of Delilah for so long and sold their virtues. And the church has done this. They sold their virtues with programs and denominational ideas and and thoughts of men. And they, they, they come to the point that they're so politically correct about everything. They lost their virtues. But I tell you, I believe that God is restoring the glory to some men and women. Amen. Who are coming back into the power of God. Who realize, amen, I don't have to sell myself out to the world. I can stand for Jesus and just let the world go by. I can hear Brother Branham saying, God sent us another church just before the end time that the power of the Holy Ghost can come into her and the demonstrations of the Spirit. And Mark 16 can follow the church. Acts 2 and 4, Acts 2, 38, and all of it would be following right along with the church. Signs and wonders accompanied the apostles. Great signs of his resurrection accompanied them. While we're in prison, surely God's growing a crop somewhere for the last great kill. May it be you, my Christian friend, here this morning. May your strength, may it be your strength has begun to grow. And I pray this message this morning out in the land to where this will go. I trust this message will help bring the vitamin to your system that will grow a spiritual power back into your life again. Hallelujah. Amen. Here we are. Mariah Pruitt had alopecia. The, and, and this was the worst of it. It went right on down until her hairs were gone from her head. And she prayed. She was prayed for. I, I'll never remember the service. We were in the old church in Claiborne Parish. And I was preaching about 1 Corinthians 11 and the hair being the glory of God for the woman and how that she's a Nazarite unto the Lord. And as I preached those scriptures... And then spoke of those things. I looked back out there and I saw a girl with a, just a handkerchief on her head. That the devil had robbed her of her glory. Shamed and embarrassed and all of this. A young girl 
But that day we called her down to the altar there, and I said, you know, God put this in the Bible that women were to have long hair, and it was her glory, and the devil has robbed this from this daughter of God. But we're here to cast Satan out. We gathered around and prayed for her that day, and faith began to work within her heart. Amen. If I can, I will, I do believe that Jesus heals me now. Come on. Amen. And at youth camp over in Easter, just some months later, this little bald-headed Mariah with holding three little hairpins in her hands walks there in the prayer line and says to Brother Timothy, I want to wear these. What was she doing? She was staking her claim in the land of promise. Amen. She was staking her claim in the land of promise. Somebody with me? Somebody ready to stake your claim? Where are you, Mariah? Stand up. Mariah here. All right, there she is right in front of me. God bless you. Amen. What is this? Our God can restore the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Because she staked her claim in the land of promise. Is somebody with me now? I'm telling you, friends, I look more than just for a little girl to her glory restored. I look for the glory to be restored to a New Testament church. A people who will walk in the power of God. A people who will know their God and do exploits, as it says in the book of Daniel. Because God is God. And because he abundantly loves you. And he has a passion for his people. He's a God who cares. Who said, cast all your cares upon me. For he cares for you. Remember, God never forgets a promise. Amen. What time did I start? Well, then you're wondering what time I'll finish. Amen. I almost feel like John Paul Jones right now. I just started a fight. You see, God never forgets a promise. You see, Israel would languish down in Egypt for 400 years, but God hadn't forgot. When the time of promise drew nigh that which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt, and God sent a deliverer. In preparation for the time of his promise, God began to move. He would, be, he would prepare it for, for it by sending gifts on the earth to prepare for his coming and for their return to the land. And so God would do the same thing here. There's got to be a time of preparation where our hearts are turned back to believing again. In the first exodus, God would send a prophet visiting him with a pillar of fire in a burning bush and spoke to him, giving him the message of the exodus with a message to Pharaoh, let my people go. And if you don't, I'll plague you until you do. You know, I think sometimes it's time to just turn the tables on the devil. When Jesus came, that's what he did. He made devils scream at his presence. They screamed out and said, what have we do with you, thou son of God? The religious men were calling him a devil, and the devils were calling him God. Sometimes theologians don't know nearly as much as what they think they know. You see, it would be them that would reject our, the Messiah then. I wonder today if we just need to come down in humility and realize that God is God. The Bible said the Lord is never slack. According, uh, you know, uh, concerning his promise, as men call it slackness. You see, the, the angel came to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, because he refused to believe, and God shut his mouth to keep him from uttering any more unbelief. And I think sometimes, for, because of our own foolish talk and, con- and negative confessions, God needs to shut our mouth. That's what I pray. God, shut my mouth. 
Don't let me say anything that would be against your word. That's what a negative confession is. I want to confess God is real. God is true. God is merciful. God is a healer. God is a deliverer. That's what I want to confess. Amen. I want to confess that he is my righteousness, that he became my sin, that I might become his righteousness. So therefore, I'm holy because he's holy, and I'm righteous because he is righteous. You see, this time, you know, where, where the, these words were, had to be fulfilled in their season, and I believe God's got words that are being fulfilled right now in this season. I believe we're in a season of revival and a season of renewal, a refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Because Peter said before Jesus comes back that there would come a times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And I, I say, I want to be a part of that refreshing. Amen. Because words of God are fulfilled in their season. You say, well, why didn't it happen when Paul said we which are alive and remain some 2,000 years ago? Well, thank God for the sovereignty of God and, and his foreknowledge because if it happened then, you wouldn't be here. Right? Amen. But God has let it come right along until every name that's on the Lamb's book of life will be manifested on the earth. And once that last name is manifested on the earth and dipped in blood, he'll call it to a halt. You say, why? Why would God have names on the Lamb's book of life? Because God knew you were coming. And he made plans for you. Amen. This is what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Amen. You know, Joshua, he would say to Joshua, have not I commanded you? And this is the Lord's commands today. Be strong and courageous and be not frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. You see, we are to, we are, we are to speak faith and speak very positive of the promises of God. You know, you, sometimes we confess I'm weak in faith, but we should never say this. We should say this instead. Isaiah 40, 29, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. And then, uh, then he would say in verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings like eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. And, and they shall walk and shall not faint. Hallelujah. Now, you know, let me just tell you today, we, we, must, we, we must not be passive about this. We must have a passion about it. Amen. That you don't stop for nothing. That you keep moving forward. Someone said one time, if you can't fly, then run. And if you can't run, then walk. And if you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Amen. So what I'm saying to you, so crawl until you can walk and walk, until you can run and run, until you can fly. But whatever you do, quit sitting there in your unbelief and your doubts and your fear. Get up from there and move forward. You never, 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 never give up. You never quit believing. You say, Brother Tim, where does your strength come from? It would be said in Exodus, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Where is your strength? The Lord is my strength. How can you lose when God is on your side? D.L. Moody said, if, a, if, if a, a man is in partner with God, he better have some big plans. Amen. I believe that God wants us to have big plans. Amen. Plans to overcome. Plans to rise above. Plans to excel. Plans to move forward. This land we return to is a land of miracles. It's a land of the living God. You know where he says, I'm the Lord thy God that healeth all thy diseases. We read in Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 4, he said, I'll give you rain and due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. 
So this is a land that will be one of constant revival, the land of renewing, the land of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. It is a land of plenty, for he says in verse 5, and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. Amen. What is God saying to you? Amen. You're not going to have any lack. I'm going to supply all your needs. Your threshing shall reach to the wine vintage, and the wine vintage shall the sowing time, and you shall eat your bread to the full. Amen. We don't have to look at our lives as being half empty. Come on. We can look at God wants to pour out into us his fullness. John 10 and 10, he said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And that word abundantly means exceeding any number of measurement. Ephesians 3.20 tells us of his ability. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we think or ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. Why is that so important to know what he is? Because he he says in Deuteronomy 20 and 4, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you the victory. Are you with me now? This is why he goes before you to deliver you from your enemies and give you the victory. Hallelujah. That's what it means to save you, to give you victory. God's not going to have a defeated people. He's going to have an overcoming people, a people who believe. So we have returned to a land of miracles where he heals all diseases. Amen. He says in verse, um, verse 5, and you're th- uh, we read that of the threshing floor. Let's move on down to verse 6. And I will give peace in the land. You shall lie down, and none of you, none shall make you afraid. And I will rid evil beasts out of the land, and neither shall the sword go through your land. Oh, look at these promises. I'll rid the evil beast out of the land. Listen, in this land, devils are cast out. Jesus, amen, everywhere he went, he called sickness devils. Come on. Amen, there's sickness of the soul. That's sin. There is sickness of the spirit. That's depression. There is sickness of the body. Amen, that's all manner of diseases. And the principal work of the church of Jesus Christ is to rid the land of beasts. Amen. Every spirit that will exalt itself against the word of God, we are given a commission not to live with them, but to cast them out. That's where we stand as the children of God. Exodus 15, 26, he said, if you will diligently hear the voice of the Lord your God and do what's right in your sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. Deuteronomy 32, 39, now see that I, even I am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. I'll tell you, when God gets after the devil, there ain't no hope for him. Hallelujah. Amen. When the saints get to pray and things happen. Amen. This is the land of Hezekiah who was sick unto death who the word of the Lord said, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, and surely I will heal you. Amen. We can take that for our families that are in need of healing, our children that are in need of salvation. Amen. Situations in your home and problems that are there that we can look at and just and take that to our own self, that he has heard our prayers, that he has seen our tears. And surely I will heal you. Amen. This is the land of David where he would say in Psalms 30 uh, verse 1, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have let not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Psalms 103 is an exceeding great precious promise. Verse 2 that says, Bless the Lord, 
O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Are you oppressed this morning? He executes righteousness and judgment for you that are oppressed. Verse one, chapter 107, verse 17. Fools, because of their transgression, because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their souls abhorred all manner of food, as they, and they drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. That's what we're here today for. We're here to give thanks back to God for something great he did among us. Amen. Showing himself as a healer. Amen. Showing himself as deliverer. We see in Proverbs 3 and verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It'll be health to your bones or health to your flesh and strength to your bones. It would be Isaiah that would see him coming. Our deliverer is on his way. Surely he, would be, he had borne our griefs, Isaiah 53, 4, and has carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It would be Isaiah 61 that would prophesy of him saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open the prison to those that are, who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all that mourn. I say, what a Savior we have today. Amen. The healer is in the house. And that's why we can proclaim what Jeremiah said in 17, 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Jeremiah would say in chapter 30 and verse 17, For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, saith the Lord, because they called you an outcast, saying, This is Zion. No one seeks her. Verse 6 of chapter 33 said, Behold, I will bring health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. Hosea 6 and 1 says, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He was stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. This is a land of victory. This, uh, in this land of promise, I'm talking about our land of promise now. They're making their aliyah. They're coming back to Israel. We're coming back to our land of promise, the land of the Bible where miracles happen, where people are changed, where souls are saved, where men and women can be filled with the Holy Ghost, the very power of God and the salvation. Amen. This is a land of victory. Verse 7 said, and you shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. Amen. It's a land of no barrenness where he makes us fruitful. Leviticus 26 and 9, for I have respect to you. And, and make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. Amen. These, these promises are laying in the word. There shall be no miscarrying or barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. 
714 of Deuteronomy, you shall be blessed above all people. There shall be no male or female barren among you or among your cattle. Psalms 1 to 13 and 9, he makes the barren woman abide in her house as a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I believe that, don't you? I believe in a church that can give birth to newborns, born of the Holy Ghost, that we don't have to be barren and unfruitful, but we can see people filled with the Spirit of God and lives changed by that power because he said we would not be barren. Hallelujah. We would not be empty, but a people filled with the Spirit of God. Ah, oh, verse 10 of 26 said, And ye shall eat the old store and bring forth the old because of the new. I'll give you fresh revelation. In verse 11, And my, I'll set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. Hallelujah. Oh, I remember it says in the Bible, blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. I'll tell you, you are a blessed people today because you serve a mighty God. He's a mighty conqueror that hell could not hold him down. Death could not contain him. The tomb could not hold him. Amen. But he rose and he's a triumphant God and he's coming back again for a people who have made herself ready. And until he comes, we're going to lean on the everlasting arms. Hallelujah. Amen. As they get ready to start this film right now, I want you just to think, we've been waiting now for months on this, for years, several years on this. Amen. Sister Lana, I want you to stand. Brother David, you're here. I want you to stand. This is her husband. We have no reason to fear anything. Not when we got a God like ours. Brother David's a medical prof- in the medical profession. He knows what it is to have the diagnosis his wife had. Oh yeah, there was those times of desperation when he got down on his knees, fell on the floor sobbing and crying. But God heard their cries. They leaned on those everlasting arms. I want you to listen today as I encourage you to do the same thing. Lean on those everlasting arms. There is nothing for you to dread, nothing for you to fear. We can have perfect peace with a God like ours. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever.